Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to Starving for Attention. Richard and Jasmine Blaze here. Hi. What's going on? Oh, uh, nothing. Live from Bottle Rock in Napa Valley for Williams Sonoma. If you remember, if you've been a longtime listener, you know we've recorded some episodes about tried Bottle to. Rock. Or try to. <laughs> the, yeah, go back in the uh, archives yeah. for the Adam Richmond, uh, Aaron Sanchez episode. Well, yeah. the Adam Richmond episode eventually did happen. It did, yeah. Um, but I think we ended up recording a fun episode just from this exact spot, not this I exact so. hotel room. Yeah, we, pr- we pretty much had um, both of them. They didn't no call no show. That wasn't that wasn't no, exactly no. what happened. But they both canceled pretty last minute, um, and we're very apologetic. But yeah, um, but fun episodes yeah. here from Bottle Rock. We were not in the same room. I know this because we are staying in a room today that it was uh, where a room that once Gerald Ford, President Gerald. There's Ford, an actual plaque that says plaque President Gerald Ford slept here, which I didn't know people actually did that. Except I, there are a lot of places in Washington D.C. that have that. But yeah. I guess. This is no, a it's a thing. It makes sense. Thing. I mean, I would hope now that somewhere there's a lower plaque somewhere down the door that says, the "And Blaze, then Richard Blaze, the Blaze slept here." <laughs> slept here. Well, I don't uh, know. I don't. No one did a lot of sleeping last night. We have uh, our kids with us, so that's true. That's true. That was, uh, hot episode coming up, Jasmine. Uh, Josiah Citrin, and you know what else is pretty hot? What? Well, you know what else you need to heat up? What? Breakfast. It's time to put the heat back in your relationship with breakfast. But you know a hot breakfast sounds like too much work. Well, it's time to head over to the egg aisle and pick up Just Crack an Egg. It's a hot, fluffy breakfast scramble that'll have you back in hot breakfast love in less than two minutes. All you've got to do is add a fresh egg over their hearty breakfast fixins, then stir, microwave, and reignite your love of breakfast. And something else you'll love about Just Crack an Egg is that it has no artificial flavors, dyes, or preservatives. But even better is how fluffy and cheesy and delicious it is. It comes in seven different varieties, including three brand new kinds, veggie, Southwest style, and protein pack scrambles, or just try one of the classics like Denver or the All-American. So don't wait for the weekend to get a little hot, hearty breakfast love in your morning. It's time to run with your arms wide open to the egg aisle and take breakfast back with Just Crack an Egg. The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking, minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a Consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Okay, so Josiah Citrin is the episode. Jasmine, 
Uh, and this is one of those where Josiah is a Michelin-starred chef. Uh, well, he was had Michelin stars at Restaurant Melise that is, is not open right now, but he's got charcoal in Venice. Uh, jo- Josiah is a serious chef, right? Right. So serious that, to be honest with you, he's the type of uh, chef that when I do a podcast with, I'm concerned that we're, you know, that we're, we're only going to end up talking about, you know. Uh, how to how to measure out a perfect sauce? Oh, or, okay, yeah, or, like or so that, deep in the game, so that, deep in the game that we're yeah. not gonna have fun, okay. and that also, uh, you know, a lot of like serious chefs, and this might just be in my head by now because we really haven't had this issue happen on the podcast, but that maybe they they don't want to talk as much or they're not into the whole like media angle, and or maybe they just want to talk about their restaurants or recipes. Right. Well, I think a lot of times, um, especially if they haven't listened to a lot of our episodes, which why would you not? But if they mm. haven't, they might think. That that you're doing a podcast about food, like about, you know, <laughs> this is typically not a podcast about food. Yeah. Although we, of course we, talk we touch about on it. It, it, life it, it weaves into it. Absolutely. Is yes. that what it is? Let's try and is figure out what, what this is. I think it's a good way to say it. Life in the food world, like the, the, the things that happen outside just, of the box. I think it's more just personalities in the food world and then talking about life. Yeah. That make, so, and, yeah. and that's what we get into. So uh, it's, it's a fun episode. I'm not going to spoil anything uh, except the fact that I am at Josiah Citrin's house. Yeah, that's right. In, in Venice, in, in Los house. Angeles. And um, that it, 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 had, it, it made us come up with a trivia question. Which, oh. Do you want to pose it? Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was making us think of how many houses have you, how, how many people's personal private homes have you gone to record at? And it's not many. It's actually only three. Mm. Um, so Josiah's one. Yes. And there's two more. Two more. So you want to pose this? Because by the way, if you know the answer to this. You're amazing. You're like the biggest fan of Starving for Attention. Like yeah. there's no Listen. doubt about it. Yeah. Because, and I, and you I would think have we, had to be like a loyal listener. Did I talk about last week like how I was at, at an event and yeah. I was like, you know, someone, and one of the trivia questions was like, who knows the name of Richard Blaze's podcast? And there was like a hundred people in the audience and one person raised their hand. <laughs> so like if you know uh. the three homes of people we've had on this podcast where yeah, so I'm we're giving you home. one we're giving you citron josiah citron's one that's yep. the episode that's about to come up there's, there's two, two more. more and i'll Should even we... give you another hint drop some hints we got to drop one Listen, hint for each okay one. Here, here it is this is a trivia question you don't have to get two of them you just get one and one we'll, of the two and one of the right, two one of the correct two and you get and we'll some send merch. you we'll send you a, a starving for attention bag well, what, what like if like, but what if a lot of people get you got to how do you determine the first i mean we're gonna cut it off guys we're not gonna go crazy so the three people that jump in yeah and First can three. answer one Top of the three. two people. Yep. If you answer all, if you answer both, yeah, that means you might get a better. You might get a you better. Get all the swag we got. You might get a better swag pack. So instead of just yeah. getting a hat or a tote bag or something, you're right. going to get a hat and a tote bag <laughs> yeah. and a there sign book, something like something that. Something like that. We're going to send all the swag we got your way, which is not a lot. Yep. So uh, one of the two people who we recorded in their house, one's Josiah Citrin. There's yep. three. There's three total. And then with the other two, and the hint is one of the houses is in New York City. Oh wow! I'll you're drop. giving hints. Oh, that's a big hint. That's a big hint. You think so? You shouldn't have done that. Oh, you okay? Well, make- <laughs> um, probably not. I, th- I still think you got to go find it though. All so right. that, that's tough. Um, but I was, I was kind of really had. I love when I go into a, a podcast or really anything in life where you're like, you don't know how it's going to go, but then yeah. you walk away I, with it, and you just had like a really cool like personal I feel like moment. you have that experience a lot with the podcast i think it is it's probably it's like your ugly stepchild sometimes it's it's well i mean more about my social in inept uh bill in in ineptabilities mm. is that a word no mm. ineptitude my, inep- my ineptitude, ineptitude? Okay. yeah ineptitude. Go. we got we got there eventually yeah. it's early in the morning uh, on the west coast i don't know why i say that like it's like that makes it uh, super earlier yeah um but uh we really started talking about like some really like 
hardcore chef things okay. uh, in like the classic French dining lexicon mm. and connected on a, on a bunch of things, including like uh, France, Paris, mm. a trip to a little store you're going to hear about called De Hilleren, uh, which yeah, you've right. been we to went there. before. Yeah. Um, so lots of stuff. If you're a cook in the industry, uh, hang on to the end because like as we really open up, uh, together in the podcast, Josiah really gets into like you know some of these things where we're like, oh yeah, you know about that too, or I thought right. you know I'm, you guys are like cut from a similar cloth. I would say so. Think? I mean, listen, I mean that's giving myself probably more credit than I deserve. He's you know had had two Michelin stars at Melise and is like I've, I, I've seen the guy on a television show like make an omelet with like one hand, like a perfect French omelet. Uh, so. Really, and really. You can't do that, is what you're saying. I mean, not, not like just probably off the cuff. Like, I'm just saying he's pretty talented. He's pretty skilled. Um, and and a, a lot of technique driven conversation that comes about. Um, but Josiah Citrin, coming up next, uh, we're here in Bottle Rock in Napa Valley, California. A couple fun episodes. I'm off to Vegas. Go yeah. hang out with Gordon Ramsay for an episode. We're going to hang out with Chad Mitten. That's going to be gonna next week. You're going to get Gordon Ramsay? I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get Gordon. <laughs> Gordon's pretty, like, I mean, in, unless I somehow bring the recorder on set of what we're filming. <laughs> Secretly record the entire thing. I'm just like, thing. hey, listen, uh, I need 20 minutes of you right now no. behind the scenes, which I'm not going to get. Uh, but uh, I'll ask him. I'll try and set it up. Maybe he could team. do, like, I, I feel like he could definitely, like, channel, like, a Gary V style, like, hot five minutes. Definitely. Like, hey, yeah. give us the, like, the pep talk like five things you need to do to be successful in life sort of things Boom. yeah okay yeah. i'll see if I, I'll, I have the recorder so we'll see if we yeah. can do it uh, actually this i just this, feel like he could i just feel like from a uh who he is he could do that yeah. i'm not saying he will but i'm saying i feel like he could definitely channel gary v in a in a in a way and we're here with all these like culinary superstars here at bottle rock uh andrew zimmerman's going later on stage with alice cooper to try and set a world record mm-hmm. uh, masaharu morimoto set a world record the other day i was on stage with him uh maddie matheson who is is you know who's super super hot right now is on stage gail simmons padma lakshmi all these chefs right yeah. duff goldman our friends right. but my question is real quick padma lakshmi was not there she was not here but she was on set right. she was on the, the bill right um is <laughs> gordon ramsay yes the most successful and famous celebrity chef of all time? Hmm. I think probably from a people in all walks of life, in all levels of, of food knowledge know him. Yes. Mm, okay. Like I think that the grocery store clerk at your local grocery store probably knows him and not because they work with food, you know, right, like, right. like I think he's just so saturated in primetime TV that he just has a, a name. Yes. So like yeah. the primetime TV, I think, does make a difference. But uh, the question is another amazing topic for the open right here. Yeah. Guy Fieri. Yeah. Our friend. Oh, uh, yeah. Just got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's right. Uh, I was not at the after party. Why a little were you bummed. You didn't, I, did, you, did you not get was invited? It, there was, there was a weird group text chain possibly that like I How can missed. it be possible? But no, I think I got. Possibly. I, I think mean. I missed. Because it was because I, I didn't know what was going on. And I, they had I, like I saw the chairs and they had names on the chairs. No, and everything. I definitely didn't like, get. A, I definitely wasn't invited to have my name on a chair. So well, I mean, I, I I don't think I'm that something. close. I'm not like you know. It was all your like guys grocery, guys grocery games folks were there? Yeah, but I wasn't there. So you know, um, I don't know what's up, guy. I don't know. I mean, I was just on set with you a couple of days ago. But um, no, but he got a star. Yeah. My question would be, you know, is Guy Fieri more famous than Gordon Ramsay? I don't know. I, I mean, uh, he would be the, the, the really only two or three people maybe, that can be in this conversation, right? As um, far as celebrity chefs go, I even would say like internationally, Ramsey still hasn't beat, you know, right? But if you're talking about just America, it's probably a 
Horse race. Got it. All right. Well, we might throw that question up yeah, on the know. Starving for Pot Instagram page, but food for thought, that means really nothing in the grand scheme of things. Who's the most popular celebrity chef of all time? <laughs> is it Gordon Ramsay or is it Guy Fieri? I don't know. We're about to serve up Josiah Citrin, but I want to talk to you about actually up-serving. That's right. Up-serve is a POS system that I use in one of our restaurant projects that I've had a lot of success with. And I just wanted to share with everyone how easy it's been to work with Upserve. They can boost profits, they enhance guest experience, and they make your restaurant wildly successful. Upserve is the industry's leading point of sale and restaurant management platform. You can streamline your operations, you can keep track of inventory, and leverage in-depth analytics to grow your restaurant and your wallet. And I know this because, again, it's really easy for me as I'm looking at some of these projects daily to look in at these Upserve reports. The analytics is truly insane. Upserve offers the industry-leading Android and iPad-based restaurant POS, transparent processing, and a fully integrated platform, including, and get this, you can get actionable analytics through Upserve HQ. You guys have heard me talk about that I'm a data stat and analytics nerd on the podcast, and uh, this is one of the reasons why I've been using Upserve. It can allow you to quickly recognize new opportunities to improve staff performance, increase guest retention, predict popular dishes. Wow, I mean, that's kind of amazing. And identify VIPs, which is really one of the things that I love about it is it it, it gives you a pretty in-depth look into not just a cover count, or like just, hey, this someone was at this table, but it actually lets you know who was at that table, how much money they spent. You get a lot, a lot, a lot of numbers here. It helps you manage food and labor costs, which on the back end, in the back of the house is incredible with uh, easily digestible and actionable sales and performance data that can help you improve profits. There's also the on-the-go restaurant management with Upserve Live. You wake up to a daily recap in your inbox. This is what I do every single morning and access insights on the go so you're in control no matter where you are. So I can check in on a restaurant project that's you know seven states away even while I'm 30,000 feet in the air. So if you're running multiple projects or if you're an owner-operator that can't be you know hovering over a computer screen in the physical restaurant, Upserves makes it a lot easier for you. Another great benefit is streamlined online ordering with Upserve online ordering. You can boost revenue 10% and save over 30 hours per week with an integrated solution with Upserve's Pro and Pro Plus plans, restaurants can utilize Upserve online ordering for no additional fee, saving you 20 to 30% revenue that you would have had to dish out most likely to a third party. There's simplified scheduling with Upserve Workforce, which can really, really help your people that are making schedules, a fully integrated tool that provides customers at no cost, saving restaurants at least $50 a month on third-party solutions to sort of help you come up with these platforms or, or programs. How about revenue boosting as well with Upserve Loyalty? You can keep customers coming back for more and produce an average of 19% more revenue and customer volume. There are also integrated inventory management with Upserve Inventory. They run smoother operations. You have free tool offered to Pro and Pro Plus customers, and it saves $75 a month on having to use like third-party apps to work your inventory. All this is integrated in one place with Upserve. Over 45 integrations in Upserve Marketplace. You can make the most of your POS with experience-enhancing integrations from Gusto, Gather, and Single Platform. I've said it before, but truly, you hear all of these things, Upserve's your one-stop shop. Whether your servers are in the dining room or they can be outside in the patio, Upserve's new table-side POS is a mobile handheld device that fits perfectly in the palm of your hand, 
You can start firing tickets and taking payments from anywhere in your restaurant with a POS that goes wherever your shift takes you. Now, this is one that maybe you've seen it in a couple of restaurants, and it sounds like such a small thing, but when your server has just been triple sat on a patio that's you know a couple hundred yards away from the actual kitchen, being able to get those orders into the kitchen, it can save your guest 10 minutes in waiting for their food. It can save a table turn 10 to 15 minutes. And when you start adding up these 10, tens of minutes, you know, with 40, 50 guests a night, you start realizing how much more revenue you could be producing. And the table side POS to me is a must have. Upserve's the magic ingredient for restaurant success with everything you need to efficiently run your restaurant in a single hub and provide five star hospitality. They handle everything, but of course the food. But you can call or chat anytime with Upserve's US-based support available 24-7, 365. If you want to learn more about Upserve and save $300 on a new POS today, which I recommend, visit Upserve.com slash starving. One more time, that's Upserve, U-P-S-E-R-V-E dot com slash starving for $300 off to just get going. But trust me, you're going to be saving and making more money if you use Upserve. This week, it's Josiah Citrin, and he's coming up right now. Just coming from a mental health panel, Josiah. And uh, yeah, Naisha, I, myself as well. Like, I mean, I don't have anything. Like, I deal with anxiety. Yeah. Um, which I think probably a lot of us in our industry have stress and anxiety yes. and different issues. And I've, I've, I've lost like 80 pounds. But I was, I was getting anxiety just from being on the panel. I'm like, why did they choose me? Yeah. So, but that's my own, I guess, uh, my own demons. But it was, it was interesting to sort of not, not start our conversation with such, uh, yeah. you know, but you didn't lose 80 gravity. pounds from anxiety. You lose 80 pounds if you wanted to be healthier, no? Yeah, but I mean, I guess, I guess for me, you know, part of it was, uh, you know, and this is more of a question, but like, you know, you get into the business because you want to eat or you like eating, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Maybe that's not why you get into it, but it's also, I, I feel like... addiction. The right. eating part becomes part of the whole... Exactly. Right. So it's like, oh, I like food, I'm in it. And then you start doing it a lot. And uh, I even um, use the, uh, you know, the book White Heat. Right. I mean, yeah, we yeah. all right. Uh, where he's like, I taste a fistful of mashed potatoes in the morning. And like as a young cook, that was something that I was, I was like, great. You know, I yeah. get to eat a fistful of mashed potatoes five times a day at least. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think that for me, it always becomes that we always eat. Every meal is important. When, when you a normal person's life, it's like what they eat for lunch and breakfast. It's like sometimes so minimal and not. To me, it's like everything has to be a meal. Everything has to be special. Everything has to be... For you. For me, yeah. Okay. It's not normal. Right. No, that, I guess I, so that's normal. like um, a quirk or whatever you want to call yeah. it. So like you, you're not... Quirk, are you not much of a snacker then? I snack. I say I snack, but I mean every meal, like it's always like I snack too much. But in my mind, every time I go out for a meal, it can't just be something... It's always an ordeal. Right. Okay. Sense. It's always like... So that's interesting. Like, is it and then when you say ordeal? Do you mean in my like, mind? In my mind. Yeah, like, mind. like the process of it, like it, like the process, the formality of the it. Formality, not as much of formality. Just like it's like, it's like I don't know. My girlfriend could just eat so simply, just like a little bit of. She could just take a little arugula with just a little bit of the like. For example, I made some stir fried cauliflower last night. Right. And she'll just have a little bit of that, and that's it. And, and that's she's it. totally fine. But you need and courses, I, and I want an idea. I want something more. <laughs> I want to have something. Right, you know. but it, but it's not also uh, like it's not to satiate you. This is more no, like just the, a mental state. I think so. This is like you not being able to stop being a fine dining chef. Fine dining, or just yeah, basically. Right, um, but so you can't. You can never get out of your uh, chef whites almost. 
Sort of, yeah. yeah. In my mind. It's all in my mind. It's not that I actually eat that way every right, day, but it's right. my thought process. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of curious. But now, yeah. um, like, I mean, you're, I, you're known as like an elite fine dining chef. Yeah. Did you have, now, charcoal is not necessarily, it's, a, it's a more casual. Yeah, very casual. Now, was that hard? I'm always curious about the, the chefs like you who are at a certain level, Michelin star chefs. And then when you, when, when you go casual, how, how hard is that process? Well, I think, <laughs> no, I think when I did it, it really was to be like casual and I never had any, any, any misrepresentations in my mind or any, the idea was always to be straight up casual. My chef, Joseph had worked with me already at Malise and he knew that it was going to be casual. We're not going to try like so many times chefs take a job and they want to, and they're going to try to inch it up to fine dining if they're into that. Right. Charcoal is all about casual. It's okay. just food, delicious food. I mean, we do take a lot of the steps that I would used in fine dining and the attention to detail and the preparations but, but not when it comes to but when it comes to the food, presentation. the presentation uh the plates the atmosphere it's all casual and it was not difficult i really enjoy it it's actually a great it's refreshing right it's very refreshing and it's it's just fun i go there and i have a lot of fun right like you can just put i'm assuming like but but are you like you can just put a pile of carrots on, on a, a plate, plate next you, to a protein exactly and just, you don't have to worry about the tweezers and all of this sort of all stuff. All the little details. Are you a tweezer? Uh, like, I mean, again, fine dining, Michelin stars. Yeah, it? we use tweezers. I mean... Even, even a charcoal? Not a charcoal. Okay, no. I was going to say. Like, I mean, no tweezer kitchen. No tweezer kitchen. Okay. I mean, tweezers are good to have on you for other little things. Sure, sure. Not for I, plating. We use no plating tweezers at charcoal. So it's more, it's more of a six-inch tong? It's tongs, you know, uh, meat forks, spatulas, yeah. But Definitely and that, more tongs. And it wasn't... Um, but it wasn't a challenge for you. Like you, as you said, it was refreshing. It wasn't. It was like, refreshing, though. But and not, I, I, not. Do you have to go in there though? And even like you said, with your chef, do you have to pull them back sometimes and be like, "Hey, we don't need." No, he gets dots it. or swooshes or he gets pulls it. Of, okay, he, he gets, gets it. That's it, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And is that because he worked with you for so long, or? I think it's because he worked with him for, for so long, and also he understood what we were trying to do, and I think he likes it too. So it makes it easier that he likes it. You know, right. he likes cooking like that. So. He's not trying to do something different. There's no amusés there. There's no no. amusés. <laughs> the, the, the hallmarks of fine dining. The hallmarks of fine dining. But I love what you there. said. Like it exists in the technique. The technique right? and the detail. So what are some of the like technical aspects that are the same? Like, uh, I mean, uh, are you a big sous vide guy? I don't even know. No, right? okay. I'm not a sous I mean, you're, you're look, I have worked. Well, I'm also <laughs> anti sous vide because some things sous vides are great for. But I'm technically not a sous vide guy. I do like the way sous vide comes out so i've worked really hard and we do this at for example now <clears throat> a technique uh driven style of cooking meats is that we put them on and we turn them 30 minutes we, oh. like for a new york let's say a one pound 20 ounce new york right we'll turn it cooking every 30 seconds on the grill right then we take it off and rest it for three minutes and then we do it again for three minutes turning every 30 seconds and this happened with a lot of pieces of meat on the grill right and then we rest it again, and then we do it again for three minutes and rest it. So then it comes out, when you look at it, it's almost like a sous vide pea. We've controlled the temperature not to be just hot grilling and turning. Right. You've, you've took the, 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 idea. the finality of sous vide, yes. like the fact that it's so precise, and, put and it, worked it with some classical techniques. Cooking. Now, how do you, I'm just curious, if I'm working the grill station uh, at Charcoal, how do you manage the 30-second uh, turns uh, just, all I mean, along with 20 pieces of meat on the It's just go. nuts. The guy's getting used to it. Right. Uh, there's ribeyes. Like some of the, you know, the ribeyes we don't do quite as precise. It's a little bit thinner. We just keep turning them a lot. Right. Maybe for five minutes. And then 
the like the larger cuts, like the forty-eight ounce porterhouse, it's a five-minute turn three times. Okay, so they're all different timers. We have a lot of timers. Okay, that's what, okay. Yeah. That was where I was going to go, and I was almost embarrassed to say. And, and, and I think that that's the thing is the timers work, and it's that's where I'm putting in the fine dining style, yeah. the precision is with the timers and the detail of cooking the meats. Yeah, but now that uh, also that that reminds me of, and I've done some consulting on more fast food things. I know you're in the. I hate to say concession game, but yeah. you do some things in yeah. some uh, different dogs. venues where you have to, you don't necessarily have the quality of chefs, right? Yes. Or, or you might, but you know, you have to make it sort of like uh, foolproof, if you will. Exactly. Um, I think of those timer situations from like my first job, which is embarrassing to tell you with your status, but like I worked at McDonald's What's and like one? we had the same yeah. thing. Like you hit it for 30 seconds, pull it out, you hit another yeah, button. Look what they do. And right. look how much fault. I mean, look, it's the same everywhere you go. McDonald's. My right. first job was whatever square pan pizza at the Santa Monica place, so it's nothing to be embarrassed with. <laughs> okay, so but I mean, but that's something that again you you see on the fryer at, at yeah. a fast food place, and yeah. you've worked it into now like the grill station. Yeah. So you have all these timers next to the grill. Yeah. And the, the cook is keeping, keeping track. time. Yeah. Yeah. And the chef's working right next to him, watching him. Yeah, I love that. We do. We don't. We we have a fried chicken place, and obviously we have to do that, especially because you can't really. You know, we don't want to really like. You know, Undercooked you can't chicken. touch it. You don't want to uncook yeah. chicken, and it's like there's, there's a lot of things that make it more difficult. But yeah. I love that you've worked in it with meat. Now, how how much workshopping did you do? Like before the restaurant opened, like I mean, to to get those moments, you just timed it and cooked just, a bunch of meat. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it we were already doing it, Melise, on the stove. Okay. Before, so like you said, asked about sous vide. I mean, back in I think I did the sous vide. I had the guy come out, uh, Bruno Gussalt. Right. The, and I did right, the, 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 the master. We did that. I think it was 2005 or four. And then I, so I went through a period of all sous vide, everything. Right. And it was like nuts. All sous vide all the time. And then I was like, first, I'm a surfer. Right. And I'm looking down in these you know, little waste bins by the meat station. or the, And it's just plastic everywhere. Mm, mm. I said, where is this going? Yeah. Because it's not biodegradable. Right. So mm, I'm like, I was like, oh, this is not good. And then I said, so then I kind of started like, well, I don't want to only do this kind of cooking either. I think it's taken away from the cooks learning how to cook. Right. Right. It's a lot of technique to get the sous vide right. I mean, it's not just that easy, I don't think, to do it right. But it's still not the same. So then I went through a process where we had the CVAPs and we sear them and then we put them in the, each one would be in its fat. So for the lamb loin, we'd sear it and then rest it a little bit and then put it inside the CVAP at a, you know, 52 degrees hold the inside lamb fat inside its own juice its yeah. own juices absolutely yeah, and then we did that and then i said well this always seems still like it's not that juicy when you take it out it right like it sat a long time so i was trying to get to a point where when you go to a steakhouse and you cut into it and it's really juicy a steak there's nothing like a steakhouse steak when you cut into it right how juicy it is and fine dining you don't usually get that right you get this over rested hmm. meat so yeah. i was trying to find a way to get in that zone where it's like that, but not so gray around the outside. Yeah, I love that because there's so much like work that, like you said, you're going, you're going through two different major techniques: the sous yeah. sous vide. Uh, you, you know, you're you're having these memories of the great the great sort of piece of meat from a steakhouse, and then you go backward. Then you're like, well, the best way to do it is just cook it in the moment yeah. and let it and, and not have it rest too much. Yeah. Hey, listen, you already trust Home Depot for studs, sheetrock, electrical everything to build your house. Now you can make that house your home by shopping thousands of decor pieces that suit your taste. From sofas to area rugs to that faux floral you've been admiring, the Home Depot has all of the pieces you need to create your dream space from start to finish. The best part? 
free and flexible delivery and no hassle returns on everyday essentials and more. Find exactly what you're looking for at homedepot.com slash decor. Your perfect home is waiting for you and it's just a click away. Plus, for a limited time, you can save even more on the styles you love when you use code SFA Home Depot at checkout. Now there's more kinds of doing at the Home Depot. Valid on select items online only. Free delivery on select items, $45 or more. Visit homedepot.com for more information. Some of those times I think with fine dining too, like you just mentioned, the meat's resting too long. Like, you know, do some restaurants, do you think they do those things so that because they have to then plate the dish and it might have 18 steps on the plate. 18 steps or, you know, you give a little slice of meat this big, but you can't cook a slice. You cook a, say, a one one pound York and you take slices off it. Right. Or you strip it out and you cut it. Then it's kind of... Like that. So when I redo Melise, I kind of came with that. I'm only going to do 14 people in the tasty menu area. Right. So that when I cook one piece of meat, it's ready after it rests 10 minutes, then we slice it, it's all gone. So where are you at in the process of uh, the rebirth? We're just starting construction. So okay. So we have about October, hopefully opening in October. And, and, the, and the changes are going to be, obviously, the physical space? Physical space, style of cuisine. Not style of cuisine, really, because, I mean, I have my style, my fine dining style after 20 years is my style. Right. Uh, but we're going to definitely put a big bar inside and then we're going to have a, only a la carte. Still fine dining, but it's only going to be a la carte. Okay. How are you going to resist the urge to not do a tasting Well, menu? I have the other room. <laughs> okay. I have the kitchen. We're building a kitchen in the room Ooh. and that will be 14 seats, uh, five tables. Not okay. Not a counter. Not a counter. Five tables. And in there, we will do a prefix menu only. Okay. So I'm limiting it to 14 people a night. And that is also, I mean, so I don't have to worry about the urge. I still get that done. Right. But then I, I just want to see what it's like to do fine dining a la carte. Kind of like when I grew up cooking in France, there was one tasty menu and everybody usually used to order a la carte. Right. So I kind of want to, you know, yeah. go back a little bit, see what we can do with see, that. Yeah, I love that because there was, right? I, I remember and I'm, I'm, I, you know, when I was just coming up, there was like, oh, there was an a la carte. There might have been even a prefix. Yeah. And then there was like a the degustation. Yeah. Right. Which is a lot of work for a kitchen to that sort of pump hard. out three or four different menus. Yeah. Um, do you think this is a controversial question? I think in our space, is fine dining has it been dealt a death blow? Like, is is it what parts of it are dead? So this question I find very interesting. <laughs> so because say we're gonna have you ever seen the book by Salvador Dali? Okay, the I mean fine, uh, it's yeah. a book fifties and sixties Maxime's. Le Serre, uh, Le Grand Vefort in France. So when mm-hmm. you look at that fine dining, right? wow. I look at that and say, that's so far from what I do and what I did. Right. So that fine dining was death, dealt a death blow right. in the 50s and 60s. And, and what, was it, what was an example of that? That was like, I mean, it was like, about, like the big grand platters, roasted platters, okay, the grand right. roasted platters, the big, you know, shellfish, the timbals, the, the enchaufades, right. all the things, you know, the big fishes coming out, plated, and you'd cut off the plate, you know. Yeah, almost, almost like banquetes. Yeah, the banquety, like old fine dining, and the way it was done, and the whole, the glassware, everything was so high-end and so, I'd say, I don't want to say, I thought it was great, classic. It's what got me into wanting to be a fine dining chef, looking sure. at those pictures. So then along comes 1970s and Nouvelle Cuisine, and sure. all of a sudden you pull back a layer. Right. right. And then comes the 80s and 90s, and you pull back a layer. Mm-hmm. And then you come the 2000s, and now where we are now. With, so I don't think it's dealt a blow. I think it's evolving. I think so. And I don't think finite will ever go away, but it evolves, and it changes. Like if That's all. I mean, I just think it evolves and changes from what the Lorangerie was in L.A. to what Melisse was. They were mm-hmm. completely different restaurants, even though they were both fine dining. Right. So I think that 
it's just evolving. And, and now this changing. next this next iteration, two point Malise two point Yeah, it's trying to be what is fine dining for the next fifteen years, and what does that look like for the new brand of fine dining? They say that when they in you know, what are those Keds tennis shoes? Keds. Yeah, yeah. When they invented those in the fifties, that was the end of <laughs> that was the end of formality. Right. You know, people started wearing the shoes, and then it became less and less casual. I read, right. I read an article in GQ. Once mm. about that. Now, do you think that that's as big of a um, as, as much of a part of the process and we just covered a meal that I had at the laundry recently where like you know you dress up there's jackets yeah. required is is that part how do you feel on that like dress code and like the pump I think that part's that part's pretty much right a death blow I mean maybe especially not especially in LA right? in LA definitely New York it still has it but less even France you go to France it's less formal than it used to be right funny thing is I just did a new steakhouse for two year pop up called Dear John's it's in Culver City. With Sweet the, name. Right. Yeah, me and Hans Rockwinder. Well, okay. the restaurant's been there since 1962. It's been called Dear John's. Okay. We just it fell into our laps. Super, you know, just a regular steakhouse, small. It's a joint, and people are coming in more dressy than they came to Melise. Is that, right. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's people have a history going there when they were younger. Yeah, like the, there's a vintage sort and of The vintage element. feeling, and it's like people come in bow ties, dressed up. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that because, again, I've been up until like a couple weeks ago. Sort of not not anti fine dining, but like yeah, I don't I want to wear a V neck T shirt and some cool sneakers and like that's how I like to go out and I don't mind getting a tasty menu, but I don't want to have to go through the yeah. whole process of you know filling out a, a a card before I go figuring out what foods I like. You know the the process. That's of it. a little much now. Though, but then I did it and I was like, wow, there's a place for this. There is, and I think especially now because there's not as many you know um, fine dining restaurants. Like I think it I think it's I think it's a perfect timing. Yeah, for, I the, for for Melise to I come agree. back here. I agree. I I like dressing up. I like putting a suit on. I like going out, you know, to dinner and looking nice. I think it's nice to do it once yeah. in a while. Yeah, and it sets the dining room. What I notice is then when everyone has those same requirements, right? Everyone's yeah. in a jacket. Then there's a sense. It, it it helps with a sense of community in the dining room. I think so. Which it's nice. you can do the same thing with cool music and you know uh, a funky atmosphere. Uh, but it just sort of like it focuses it like yeah, we're all here for the yeah. food. Um. What do you? How do you? What are your thoughts on uh, being a Michelin star chef on on Michelin now, returning to Cal, you know California in full, well, coming back to, to LA. Uh, to be honest, right now I'm feeling a little left out because obviously Melise isn't open, so I didn't get the invitation to the party, of right. course. And you know, but I, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. I mean, I'm happy that they announced. They announced four days after we closed the Tuesday. We closed on Saturday. They announced they'd be back. And we had rumblings of it. Okay. But in a way, I'm really happy that I'm... Because if they would have announced, say, in January, mm. what, what, I mean, my mind would have went nuts. Should I just stay open? Do I want to actually go through this? And I think it might have been a short-term fix. But in the end of the day, the long-term fix for what's good for the Re- Melise restaurant for the next 15 right. years is definitely doing what I'm doing now, the transformation and changing. Because I was dead and I was stale right. at that point. After 20 years, kind of the same thing. I was Which stale. Which 20 years is also... I mean, we mention this on the podcast sometimes. I mean, like, like 90 years old in human years? Like, I mean, like, yeah. but I'm saying, like, it's, it's a, a long, it's a, it's it's a, a lifetime for a restaurant. I mean, a good lifetime for yeah. a restaurant. So I'm excited to redo it and come back something different, stronger. Not stronger. I think we did great. Just something a little different and fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes what? It's just a, paint, uh, uh, a coat of paint or whatever yeah. it is or, or, or sort mm-hmm. of um, even just for the media, like, the, you but, know, the chance to be like, hey, it's refreshed. But I'm excited about Mission coming back. But I don't know what's going to so happen. So you would have, you might have kept the play you might have kept going just because of the pressure of michelin which is and also if i would have like oh i don't got to do all this work and raise all this money and you know do this whole thing if i but right in the end of the day, i know it's the right decision 
but really excited. I don't for whole California. I think it's great for a lot of people that were not like you know in the realms of it, like William Bradley at at, um, at Addison, Addison, yeah. uh-huh. and Justin Cogley, well, sure, at, you sure, Aubergine Carmel, yeah. and there's also a lot of other great places. I'm sure I'm missing, right? And Taco Maria, you right? Know. Well, don't you think I was going to say? Don't you think also? I mean, not Taco Maria because it's like you know they're doing some really sort of elevated stuff, but don't you think they're going to surprise people with a lot of like random? Like, do you think a taco truck no. is going to get a star? I think, I think no. people Ooh. are going to be. Disappointed. No, I think that Michelin Guide is what the Michelin Guide is. Okay, and, and you, if you, you just, know more than anyone. And if you just want to look and just go look what they did in Washington, D.C., go look what Chicago, go look what's going on in in um, San Francisco, look at all the star places. Right. It's not much different than it was before. So I, I, I hope that, it's, that people can, the general public will understand Michelin Guide does what Michelin Guide does. Right. right? They notify a certain kind of restaurant they star a certain style of restaurant right they always have what is the main difference and as someone who again has no uh, you know, aspirations uh, even for it but has a fine dining restaurant that would love to get a visit what what are, is it is it a service thing that really pushes i it? don't know exactly what it is I, mean, okay. I think that it's the food on a you know like they say i guess if you look at it it's like it's worth a visit okay worth a detour so one star is worth a visit so Definitely worth going if you're in town. It's a don't miss. Right. But on a fine dining level, not on a taco truck level, mm, right? Got it, I right. think I mean that's what they judge. Right. So there is there's a service element. There's a service element to it. I think there's a, I don't know for sure. Like I said, it could shock people. Um then there's the element uh the element then there's two stars, which is worth a detour, so go out of your way. Right. Right? And then there's worth a special journey. For mm. three stars. Remember, Michelin Guide was a guide they gave out to French businessmen that were traveling through France, right? It's a tire company promoting its tires. Right. So in the, that was, in, I think it started 1913. I don't quote my date. Maybe 20s. Sure. Okay. And, you know, the cars were going through and people were driving from town to town doing their business, sales, selling clothes. And this is like, if you're in the city, this is worth a visit. If... This two-star restaurant is, you know, 30 kilometers away. It's worth a detour. Right. And if it's 100 miles away, it's worth going out of the way to go here. It's a three-star. That's right. what it meant. I think that's kind of cool. No, it is. That's what I'm saying. Like, that, that even the, yeah, like the, the rules there are I don't, kind of amazing. I don't think they're going to change it too much. I don't know. Who knows? I'm just guessing from me. Hey, listen, I know uh, that I've been looking for ways to get more vegetables into my diet and my family's diet. I know a lot of people make green smoothies, but only putting vegetables into my smoothies make them taste, well, not so good. That's why I love Dole Fruit and Veggie Blends. They've created amazing balanced recipes of frozen fruits and veggies, so I know I'm always getting a delicious smoothie. All of the work of pairing great-tasting fruits and veggies is done for me. I can get great flavors like berries and kale or fruits and greens in with some almond milk. Then seconds later, I'm sipping on a tasty smoothie and getting essential nutrients into my diet. The best part is I don't have to wash or prep anything. It's all ready to go. It's like each bag was born to be blended with fruit picked at peak ripeness I know I'm going to get a delicious and satisfying smoothie every time. Sneaking more veggies into my day has never been easier or tastier. Dole Fruit and Veggie Blends. Find them in your frozen aisle now. 
The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Can't get enough Richard Blaze? Then take a listen to any of Podcast One's other fantastic food shows. Every Wednesday, Michelle Davis and Matt Holloway of Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast, serve up their own brand of food, politics, and pop culture. And chef Rick Bayless and food journalist Steve Delinsky team up every Wednesday to travel the globe while tackling food trends on The Feed. Check out Thug Kitchen and The Feed every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. This is something I always thought of, and this is me spitballing. Do you think that you're at an advantage if your restaurant is kind of already out of the way? Like you had just mentioned, like you know, Justin is doing great work. I mean, he's he's going to deserve anything. Yes, but it's a trip. Like it, that yeah. is a spec. It's kind of if you're more doing, Central California. If, if coast. he's doing what you're doing above and beyond as Justin does, yeah, right. I think you have an advantage. Yeah, because it's fits the mold. Um, like charcoal, I don't expect to char- start a charcoal, and I don't really want to start a charcoal. I love to get a bib gramond. Right. Because if I get a star at charcoal, then all of a sudden the pressure's on. Because the second we lose a star, we're not as good a restaurant anymore. Mm. Right? Yeah. And I don't want to have that pressure because it changes the atmosphere of the restaurant. It changes everything the restaurant's supposed to be. It's a community fun restaurant that you go to grub, have great food. You can go twice a week. So getting a star there would just change it. And then you're like, everybody else is going to, it makes everybody else on See, a, you can say that though because you, 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 you have stars, right? <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, I don't have any, I mean, I don't have anything right now. <laughs> well, uh, but, but so, I, mean, once, I feel like once you get them though, I mean, it, it, yeah, obviously you might feel different, but like it's kind of like the Super Bowl. Like once you've played in the Super Bowl, yeah. you're a Super Bowl player. Yes. If you I, won, I, you're a champ. I, I, I'll always be a Michelin star chef. 100%. It'll always yeah. be interesting. Like it'll just be with you forever. Yes. But I, I love what you said. Like the pressure really is if you get a star or two or three. And then it's yeah. maintaining it, right? Because you're only if you can't, then you're only a bad PR blast away. Like, yeah, like I, mean, I mean, well, it means you you're not, it means it's not as good, right? right? That's the, that's the problem, right? right? Which is the worst. It's Which almost worse worst. than not getting it. Is yeah. what kind of what we're saying, I think. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I would love to have a bibgramon. I'm hoping for that at travel. Right. But you could get a star. That's what I'm. I I feel like I think charcoal could get a star. I feel like there's going to be some but surprises. I, I know we're not getting it this year because you know they already sent the invitations out. So. Oh, there you go. Nice. I got no invitation. Okay, so you got some inside intel. When when do they announce? Or uh, June third. June third, they're going to announce already. Yes, already. So they they were, were done when they announced that they were coming. Oh, that's uh, tricky. Yeah, they always are done. I think when they announce that's tr- very very yeah. tricky. Um, how dispersed do you think it's going to be as far as? Uh, 
like you know now that it's all of California and it's it's just been San Francisco recently like they have some making up to do for LA don't they kind of, I think the way so. that they kind mean, of left yeah but they left Vegas it was the weirdest thing when they left it was disappointing I'm not sure like I said I have, I'm not sure at all what it's going to look like you know I'm sure that Providence will keep their stars and Spago will keep their stars and I'm sure that Mozza will you know Osteria Mozza will get their stars I mean I think right. that it's not going to fall far from what it was there might be some surprises, you know, I, you know, but I'm not sure. 100%. Right. But I mean, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of people upset disappointed. and disappointed. Yes, right? I think so. Cause I do think there is that weird thing where like, I mean, I just, and I've heard rumblings. It's like, I don't, you know, certainly would never even think that, you know, I, I would be deserving of one, but like a lot of people are like, yeah, well, we're going to go for that. We're going to get it. And I think you need to have that. Mentality. You need to have that mentality anyway. Yeah. Cause it's only going to make your restaurant better. Right. It's only going to make your restaurant better. Right. You know, but I think like, you know, to get three stars is a big thing. So it's like consistency is huge. Right. They go by consistency, quality, and then it's for the three stars, I believe. And it's individuality of a chef. Right. Which, which is really, which the, is really hard. The tough one in this day and age too, right? Everything you can, you can't look at anything, think of anything. It's like, kind of like when we, like I told chef Ken, you know, my chef, when we do the first mm-hmm. menu for the, when we start actually doing the actual menu for the for the um, fine dining or the tasting menu area right we should like block ourselves off for one month from all social media everything let's just try to buy stuff and see what we can do you know like don't don't so it's hard because you're looking at Instagram all day long you're looking at pictures of food and you're looking at all these things it's, your mind is totally saturated and then you get ideas later but those ideas actually came from what you were looking at here and there I you mean, are you are everywhere. into something right now that is like the base like such an art artistic dilemma for like whatever like if you're writing jokes if you're a comedian if you're a writer the idea that like to be truly creative you can't look at anyone else's work but that's not true either because it's all inspiration so it's a balance but then but to sort of clean the slate you're saying hey we're going to sp- spend a couple days weeks not look at anything. Not, let's not look at it. Let's just come up with what we can come up with. I'm sure it's implanted from everything else you've seen, what's going on, the trends. Right. Well, that, that's it. See, we, we opened up talking about like this little mental health panel that I did. But this kind of gets into like the crazy yeah, psyche that we crazy. have to deal with. Because but we do. But there's a lot of times. I mean, don't you feel like you've come up – like you, you have an idea. Your team comes up with an idea. And then, you know, two weeks later, you, you see, see it, it somewhere else. Yeah, right. And then you, then you fall into the like, did I come up with it? Did I see it? Did someone else – It's all like, – but it, yeah, look at your mind like a computer – and you're just storing data, storing data all the time. Right. Books you've read, everything you've done, and that data comes back out at different times in your thinking. That's why I always tell my cooks, you have to read cookbooks, read technique, read, read, read. So when you're on the line, you're cooking, and that meat's not going right or something's not going right. You remember you read a book, and it told you, oh, do this. Right. Or do that. Or you can do this. You're always watching or learning. So that's how you get better. Is you're, When you're cooking, you see something happening like the butter's about to break or it's reducing too fast you see this stuff happening in your mind like the computer's like boom okay move it over here you know it's like a, it's a computer all the right. time in your brain well yours is because you're uh, developing every, everybody, the timers everybody say, is too. You know, move the yeah but everybody is in right. a sense so I think that you can't always get away from it because you're remembering everything so it's a it's very yeah I feel like you're a hundred like um, I mean you're a hundred percent right especially with like the presentations oh yeah because presentations, once you see a picture of a dish and, and like, you oh, like I've it, never, you want to make something look like yeah, that. I've never cut kohlrabi like that exactly. or whatever it is. It's like, I want to do it. Like, I want to yeah. see what that looks like. Exactly. Um, so what is the strategy then? So basically, are you going to just have like a let's break a bunch of like, you know, let's break everything and see how to put some stuff back together? For the 
uh, tasting menu. Yeah, for the tasting menu. Yes, yes. to to make sure that it's refreshed. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna do our best to figure it out. I'm sure that it's difficult. Yeah, along the way. So. Yeah. Well, even just formatically, right? Yeah. Because um, what was the format? I thought, Malice, I, yeah, Malice, t- yeah. the 10 course was a very, it's a very, the format was always like, okay, you start off with two amuse-bouches, you know, probably a vegetable one and a fish one, raw fish. Mm-hmm. Then you have the egg caviar. Right. Then you have the soup, always a soup. Right. I'm a big soup guy. Yeah. Then you go in when we could have foie gras, you'd have the foie gras, then you'd have a shellfish, then you have a fish, you have a first meat, then a second meat. And the dessert. So it was always, you know, a vegetable course also. We had always a vegetable course. So it was always the same. For 15 years, we did the same. The food always changed, but it never seems like it that much because it's the same format. Because I'm a wine pairing guy, a Mm -hmm. wine drinker guy. I I mean, I want people to drink the wine and enjoy it. So you have to follow your... But I think now you can get a little bit off. A little bit off. But but I think actually also you just mentioned as someone who doesn't drink uh, a lot of wine, that's really where the format's crucial. Yes. If you start playing around with that, and then then you get you know your your whites are in the wrong place yeah. and your reds are in the wrong spot, and and, exactly. and wine plays such a big role and in tasting. Except though, you know, my family has gotten fun with doing things like when we, when it's winter time, we're doing the wild mushroom soup or something consomme. He'll put a red wine in in the beginning of the meal, right? A light chinon or something fun, and then go back to white. And I think it's fun to play those games too. You know, as long as you have someone there that can actually explain why you're doing it and what's happening, right? So yeah, they have to they have to be creative, which yeah. is harder, right? Because they're yeah. opening. You know, I mean, obviously, there's more than just opening bottles. Exactly. Um, so, do you ha- have you given any thought to the to the to the new format of it, or is that another thing where you're like, I mean, I, we don't uh, want to do this. We've kind of thought about it, but then also we've kind of like been preoccupied. So we haven't put too much work into it, and it's hard to create a menu for October, November right now. So right. I've always been more of a on the moment kind of. Person. That's true. That's, well, I, I well, like that more. Like, don't you love when you have to do like the the festival or whatever? That's four months away, and yeah, they, they need a menu, and you're like, I right now, it's everything's peas and asparagus, yeah, and you're yeah. asking me what to do in November. You're gonna get something that's not. You're, I'm gonna end up doing something that's not as good as I could do later. Exactly, and, and yeah. even just mentally, like you, yeah. you're probably gonna come up with a dish that you don't want to do later. Yes. This is what I find exactly that always I'm dealing with. Um, and then, God forbid, you're not like we're blessed here in California. No, where yeah. our seasons are just exactly. uh, they start soon they last forever and yep. you have to have to deal with that with like uh, your east coast yeah. I still have east coast chefs who are great chefs I'm not going to call them out Wiley Dufresne uh, <laughs> who are like when, you, when like we're using strawberries or whatever and they're like oh wow that's, that's early for strawberries or even friends in northern California they're yeah. like oh that's crazy it's like no it's actually I know they're always here they're available they're here and they show up a couple weeks earlier right now is actually sometimes the strawberries are the best in this time of year right now right or like berries, even, berries or, or something like now right we might be uh, tomato, like tomatoes yeah, tomatoes are going to be coming yeah, super actually early. it's the tomatoes that they come from Wong Farm right Palm Springs area Amazing right now. Nice. This is the time of year. It's not too hot there yet. It's hot. It's great. Hey, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Miller Lite. Did you know that Miller Lite was the beer that launched the light beer category? Miller Lite is the original light beer, and from the start, it's never compromised on taste. That's because it's always brewed to have more taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 grams of carbs. Miller Lite, hold true. Where do you think we're at with mentioning like the sort of artisanal produce and small farms and stuff are... Are we obviously? I've always felt like Good Chef uses great ingredients, right? Yeah. It's been, and then we went through a trend where you, you you named every farm, you talked about every fishmonger uh, or fisherman. Uh, where are we at now? Well, I think now it's kind of like, I think if you're doing that, you're probably not using it, right? Oh, interesting. I okay. mean, unless someone someone like Michael Simrus to use whole thing is based on that, and he does it 
But I think a lot of, I mean, I don't know. He's still going to put Jidori chicken on the menu now. I mean, right. it's pretty much granted that if you're an L.A. restaurant, you, you, I mean, I don't know where we stand with that. It's kind of like. Like how the. Go on. No, like you want to have the answer. Like you want your staff to, of course, have the answer. Yes. But, but you don't, don't need ask, to tout it. But I think that if it's something really special from a certain farm that they've really done, like Wiser Farm just had these new beautiful mm. little fresh potatoes he did this year the first time. It was like a cross. German and a rot kind of right. reddish potato. It's like if it's something so delicious and so amazing, right? Maybe you say it. I I, I don't know where I stand with that. I go back and yeah. forth. I love that though, right? If you're if you're you're, it's almost you're thirsty at this point. If you are like saying some of those things, that I mean, that that's something there. that Thomas Keller started doing. He's the one who really started that back right. in 1999, and when he's you know whatever sure. you know in the beginning in 96, 94. Yeah, and I, and I, we all caught on to it. Like Thomas Keller was one of the people that led all of us who are here now doing this. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I was, was at the laundry in '96. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I ate there the first time in '94. They just posted a picture of the courtyard table they had, right. and I went there in 1994 with Hira and Lissa Sone from right. Terra. Yep. And we ate out there with Kazuto Matsusaki, who was Matsusaka, who was my chef at Shinwa in the early '90s, and I still remember that meal. I mean, it was like, wow. And that's, he had no kitchen. It was like amazing. Right. Such a different place. I mean, I haven't been and, back in literally like 20 years. And yeah, now it's, it's, you know, it's, such it's a high still level. smaller than you would think, but it is yeah. like a, a big kitchen with like two lines running. Yeah, it's and, a huge, it's a huge operation. Yeah. And it was as impressive as ever, which is also impressive. What's the, the Terra dish that was like, I remember as a young boy, like it was like, I think it was like a black cod and like yeah, cucumber. Miso, that's the, some kind, kind of, miso, kind of but another, it was like, very, miso-yaki. yeah, yeah. delicious, delicious. It's funny though, the French laundry cookbook, is this because I have to bring this up. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking, obviously, on Amazon, like where our book is on sales per day. Right. And it's like, we we didn't get to one. We were like, number two, number two. But French Laundry Cookbook is always within the first three or four books on total California cuisine or California wine. And, on the, and this is 20 years old, this book. Right. And yeah. he's still selling it at such a high level. And it's someone who's in the, you know, in the I cookbook mean, game. I mean, and the word royalties usually never get hit. Like if you're writing uh, a cookbook, yeah, but, he, but the laundry he, have hit their royalties. He's hit their, I mean, I'm sure it's been way above. I mean, right. but the, like Bouchon's not up there. The ad hoc, all those books aren't up there, but right. the, but the French laundry cookbook is up there at the top. And then it, it the was kind of like is, one of the first, like, right. Like big fine dining sort of like, it was definitely, it wasn't just recipes. It was more about like a the peak farmer in, yeah. and, and what the, great, what the team was great doing. Book. So I love that. How you're, so you are like an, a met, you're a metrics guy. You're obsessed with data a little bit. I like if data. You're peeping on the Amazon for yeah. how your book's doing. I like that. I like, yeah. yeah I like anything that yeah, I'm OCD. I mean, right. Like all chefs. See, mine's as you, at least you have the laundry, like competing with you. Like mine was when my cookbook came out, uh, it was aggravating to me that there was another cookbook that kept beating it, and it was the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pizza cookbook. Oh wow! Well, yeah, but that's... <laughs> so that upset me because they're not even real people. Yeah. Like I don't think Donatello can just throw a peel on no. his on his bow staff and Probably all of a sudden not. be a no. great pizza Iolo. That's funny. Um, well, congrats on the return of uh, Malice and Charcoal is just crushing the game. Yeah, are you up for a little a fun little game? Uh, we yeah, usually we do a little, little game, game. At, the, at, this, at the back nine of the podcast. So this one is, you're familiar with the term chef soigne, right? So, yes, yeah, Right. So like, I think it means to take care of or... Make it nice. Make it nice, soigne. better than the best, yeah. super tight, whatever you're, you know, but better than the best. So this one's going to be, uh, and, and sorry to be so cheeky, it's going to be soigne or soigne. Like, so, you're, you're into it, like, yeah, it's fine yeah. dining or it's right. not, all right? So, uh, and, and you feel free to elab- elaborate. Um, squeeze bottles. All right, let me change it. Heavy use of squeeze bottles in the kitchen. Soigne or nay? 
I'll have to say soigné because it can. It's a way of not for presentation always purposes, but so if you have nice freeze bottles all set for all the different oils you use, labeled. I mean, it works well for control portion controlling when you put your hamburger sauce on a burger. I like it. So I, I like control. it just because it keeps the kitchen neater. Yeah. Swanier. Okay. There we go. Swanier, so, Swanier. Uh, perhaps, perhaps a controversial one right off the bat. I was, I didn't know where you were going to stand. Not in that necessarily. For, I mean, look, I do the dots. We do stuff too. Right. Charcoal, never. They do it every now and then, but don't get those off. Right. I, that's the one thing he has done a couple dots here and there. Swan, oh, so that's so, okay. There, so I a love couple that. dots so on like, top, but it's not like a fine dining thing. But there's still dots. I don't like the way dots come out and it looks like poo. Oh, the you, top you that comes out. I freaking hate that. Dots thing. are so like, yeah, do you they? Need to, you need to learn how to do it and not have the poo. And right. There's a way to do it. It's at an angle with the, keeping the, the nozzle always inside oh, the puree. Oh, man, I wish we had a, 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 a squeeze video. bottle with mayonnaise yeah. right now. That you, you can, can get it perfectly, one. but most of them don't. It looks like a You're right. Poo or there's it. a way, like, or like you can make it one where it looks like there was yeah. a well in it. That's exactly. tight. Or one that where you have a little, like, piece of But you always have good presentations. I've judged I've judged a couple times. Well, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it turned out well for me. And you judge me, I judge you. Oh well, we did. I mean, we did a show that has never, never made air. the air. It'll be on the Korean airlines. Some okay. so at some point in the future, yeah. we will see it. All right. But I also remember, and because no one will ever see this, you had to make it. I was an omelet, I believe. Yeah, right. Well, I show show them how to make an omelet. You make an omelet, yeah. right, to show the the cooks on the show that you know you may never see. But you stepped up and made like an absolute textbook French omelet. And then the no. guy put the one in the sweet in the canister. I told I, him, don't I, do it. <laughs> I, I stopped thinking about whatever was happening after I watched you because it's also another thing to like. You know, to do it at home or to do it in your yeah. kitchen, but to step up with lights and cameras around and make like a, a perfect omelet is not easy. And like I was, like I just no, remember being like that dude. No, he's the real deal. No thanks. That's, it wasn't yeah. the best and, omelet. It was yeah. good. But. <laughs> well, I mean, it was perfect, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people with omelets. Uh, have you seen this omu omu rice? Have you seen omu rice? No. I want to. I'll send you this link. It's a. It's like a three egg omelet. Uh, made French style, but it like it comes out almost looking like a canal, and you slice it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this, and it pours out yeah, on it's rice. It's pretty cool, amazing. I, I mean, it, and it's really hard yeah. to pull off, well, like to get, to get it turn, to actual the turns, right? The turns, and then to cut it and have it fall out. But like you could do it because when you're you watch Jack Pepin do it. He's pretty awesome with the way he does it so fast with forks. Amazing, absolutely. And then he could make like a tomato rose yeah, next to it, a uh, flute of mushroom. <laughs> yeah, Some the of the tomato rose are good. No, I'm not. I'm, I mean, I am making fun of him, but like, when was the last time you made a tomato rose? <laughs> Probably recently, just out of do it every now and then. But I used to use so when I was just quick story off the bat, when I was working in Paris, I took a little time off and I worked at a place called Cafe Pacifico. Okay. And my buddy Raphael, who became my chef partner, also was a waiter there. And we had this whole thing. So when cute girls would come into the restaurant, I was in the kitchen, I'd make the tomato rolls and put on the guacamole. Okay. <laughs> and then we'd, we'd drop it off and we'd try to get the hookup going. That, that's it. Like, yeah. uh, just that, that's the, the perfect pickup line right there. Exactly. The tomato rolls. Soigné uh, Renee, uh, Tokes, the, the tall chef, pleated chef hat. Nay, even though I have to wear them when I yeah. do the book, who's door judging and all mm. that, but. They, they, I hate uh, those things on my head. Yeah, they, no, no, there aren't too many people that can pull off. Uh, no. I mean, Curtis Stone wrote the forward for a charcoal book, right? Yeah. And uh, I just saw he was up there doing something for Boku's Door recently, yeah, and I was like, Curtis Stone, one of the best-looking dudes like you can find. No, can't do it. Just was, couldn't even pull off a toe. Thomas no offense, Keller Curtis. pulls it off, though. Keller does. Yeah, it might be, is, uh, his, is it a height thing? I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Curtis is tall. That's true. That's true. It was just, it was yeah. over his eyes. I don't know. But I never liked wearing one at, at culinary school. But I also love how, like, because you have such a pedigree, you had to think about it. You're like, yeah. I'm going to say tokes. Um, what about, though, um, so Soignier, chef coats in the kitchen. Soignier, all the way. Yes, like that. And I can tell that that's a serious topic for you. It is. Now, yeah. 
Blind Hotel, I wear my chef coat, but right. I wear the seersucker ones. Mm-hmm. Malise, always the chef coat. Charcoal and Dear John's, I wear a button-down shirt and apron, but I'm not actually cooking. So a lot of times at those two places, I'll help bus tables. Sure, I just sure. like to get into all of it because I right. see myself as the owner of the restaurant. And I don't want people to see me as the only chef there. Right, right. So I want Joe to get the credit. I want you know the chefs who are in the place to get the credit. So a lot of times I wear just a button-down shirt. Um, so you're kind of matching the attire for the, 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 the vibe of the kitchen. and The, the vibe of the kitchen or that. And just because I'm going to... I do a lot at those restaurants opposed to just cooking. I'll help on the kitchen. I'll help and I'll bust a table. I'll make a table side Caesar, whatever I can do to help just because I want to give my, let people, the people, my employees see how I want things to be done. Oh, I want you to make, I want to, I want to come in and get a table. Dear John's, side dear John's. There yes. we go. We've got to do that. That That's uh, table side service. Soigne. Yeah. Uh, Soigne. Yes. Is it, I feel like it's, it's making a pretty big resurgence right now. I mean, we did it at Malise for the last 20 years. We did the chicken table side, the Cote de Boeuf, mm. uh, you know, like Garrett on and everything. Garrett like, on everything. Okay. Soigne. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of feeling that part of like the classic cuisine. We talked about like the platter. Yeah. Salt the, baked, salt baked, uh, ooh, salt baked fish. Right you know, it's amazing. Nice. I like that stuff. Nice. Uh, offset small spatulas. Soigne. Yeah. That's, I mean, Soigne for to me a lot it's of things. tweezers, a spatulas and a spoon somewhere yeah. in my pocket or apron. That's kind of like quick story. <laughs> Speaking of that, I always think of this ever since I had a guest chef in just, he was Japanese, but from France. Two Mission Star Restaurant, Pathage 53. We're doing the dinner at Malise. His team's there. And the health department comes in. Okay. And the guy's the <laughs> Japanese guy. Kind of a bigger Japanese guy, actually. Right. And he, used to, he has a thing in his hand, and he flips the meat, and then he licks the freaking offset spatula. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Right in front of the inspector. Right. I was like, okay. Uh, he, I don't know what country he comes right, from. Right. I just explained to her, yeah. like... It was just a little bit offset spatula. I never, I can never think of offset spatula without thinking of that. Now that was 2012. Right. Well, he didn't know. Right. I mean, but yeah, that is, that's not a good one. There are certain things that like, you you don't want to do right in front of the inspector. Not that you, you don't want to do, do that ever. Anyway. Right. Exactly. Just a weird like thing. One, like, you thing. never do that. I don't know. To, to lick was, the it was a weird thing. It was just a weird thing. That maybe was. you got nervous because someone was in the kitchen. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was just one of those brain things. Like I'm going to do the exact opposite of what yeah. I should do right now. Well, he had no idea what was going on either. He was like sitting there and just some ladies in the kitchen with a clipboard. Right. He didn't know. They don't, I don't know if they do. Yeah, fair enough. Like fair enough. My favorite health like inspection in the moment story was uh, uh, where they came in and it was in that day and time where like you know sous vide regulation was sort of like you know no, challenging. No, yes, you didn't have a full HACCP plan. You weren't supposed to have it. And I just told an inspector once, kind of jokingly, that the circulator was an AM radio, and just kind of walked by and yeah, just like went, went for it. And I was like, you know, you can't even find sixty two point three on yeah. an AM radio. No, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't even think of that. <laughs> But it worked. Funny, another one is uh, Valentine's Day one year. They came to Malise. Oh, and I, I told them, look. Whoa. I told them, look, you have to leave now. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> because if I stop to talk to you, we're done. Right. You're going to lose We, we, we can't stop. We can't slow up. It's not fair that people... He came back. Night. He was a nice guy. Okay. He was a great inspector, that guy, actually. He understood fine dining cooking. Right. Well, I'm glad that he did that. Uh, yeah, right? he did it. Like, hopefully it was also just like a random, like, mistake. Like, to come yeah, exactly. on Valentine's one Day. of the busiest days. It's like, why don't you just show up on New Year's Eve next exactly. time? Exactly. Well, I'm glad he, he listened. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously pick up your first date. That luxury package you got after a big promotion. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with TrueCar, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? 
you already know that was going to cost you. But now you know how much it is to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead at least. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, Check out True Car today. True Car cash offer not available in all areas. Okay, the microwave. Swanye or nay? Swanye if, Swanye if you know how to use it. Okay, nice. I like that because it is a it is tool, a tool in the kitchen. and it heats from the inside out. There's yeah. ways to make it work. Right. What you is know? it? What is it? Even for the home cook, what is a, a, you know, a great I, look, microwave? I look, okay, I argue with my girlfriend about this all the time. She hates a microwave because she still believes it causes cancer. Okay. I said, right. you have a cell phone in your ear anyway. So, <laughs> this is true, right? You know, um, anyway, okay. So I think it's just you know I like to use it sometimes to reheat food to do things. Sure. I mean, and uh, just do it slowly. You know, don't let it get too hot. I, just like cooking the meat on the grill, it's like a little bit of heat, take it out, give it a sack, move it around. I love that thirty, 30 second seconds interval. Here, 30 exactly. Here. Same thing with the microwave. Make sure the moisture's right in it. Make sure it's covered yeah. or whatever it is. There so, are a lot of neat tricks there, is yeah, and it does get a bad rap. And is it what does. is the difference? The fryer, the microwave, a circulator, yeah. I mean, a grill. There's all it's kinds of tools in the with, kitchen. You poaching an egg in there. There's all kinds of yeah. Fun my wife. Well, I mean, uh, now a lot of companies. One of our sponsors is sort of like uh, you know you just crack an egg into something. Yeah. You know, pop it in the microwave. But like she would just do that, scramble an egg, put yeah. it in a bowl, and pop it in the microwave. It was like okay, well, and for a fast little thirty second meal, exactly, kind, kind of works out really no, really well. Fine. Uh, all right, what about the chili pepper pants of the 80s? The big baggy MC Hammer chili pepper pants. Funny Let's you bring, bring that up. We should be bringing these back, no? Funny you bring that okay. up. Yes. No, we should never bring those back. <laughs> that is an amazing story. Rochelle yeah. Hutton, Rochelle from Chefware, started mm-hmm. that. I worked at Chinois Maine with her when we started that whole trend. I'll say Swanye, 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 Swanye. No, 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 no. no. Now, so now, now is there a picture of you in chili pepper? Never wore chili peppers, but okay. I remember the first day. I remember the first day back at Chinois. When she had those pants on and she was doing the pastries there, she was going to go be the pastry for Granita. She would go buy the platinum brand checkered pants and she would buy them from uh, Gold's Gym. And then all, she bought them once. She figured it out. And we all wore those freaking polyester checks that were so uncomfortable. Yeah, they, they, they didn't so even I did, sit right. I, I did wear the baggy ones for a while. Uh, not much of into baggy, baggy pants like that. Like I, me, I'm like sweatpants. I never wear out of the house. Right. Yeah, we all listen. This, if, you, but, if you're from, but I wore them, and I'll say Swanye. It's kind of like anything you wore in the '80s, pretty much like that. MC Hammer. Style. Yes, yes. No good. All right. I, I feel you. I feel you. And you know what? You can probably. I'm, I'm sure I wore some. Like, again, they might have been just black, but we all sort of. Yeah, I mean, I, I never wore the chili pepper ones. So Keep I'm, not that guy. <laughs> I'm gonna try and find that picture. Uh, you said you, you didn't do it. Okay. Um, what about clogs? Clogs in the kitchen. Clogs. So obviously, starting off in 1980s, moved. To fr- I mean, I couldn't wait to get my first pair of clogs. Wore them off and on with wooden the wooden heels, wooden like, heels, yeah. clog masters like, for years. And actually, then I stopped for many years. I just wore my dress shoes. Love the Gucci loafers. Tom Ford Gucci loafers were the most comfortable and best kitchen shoes I would ever wear. Yeah. They stopped making them. So then I kind of went back and forth trying to figure out what I was going to wear. A lot of different shoes. That's and so LA, by the way. You're like a Tom yeah, Ford exactly. uh, loafer. You yeah. just shout it out. Gucci Tom Ford. Yeah. Gucci Tom. Not even a co- brand collaboration. Yeah, no, but he used to be the designer for Gucci. Oh, okay. So I didn't, that's, that's I didn't why, know. That's why I see that. His were the most comfortable I had. Went back to clogs, and then all of a sudden my back started killing me. Mm. That was like about yeah. eight, seven months ago. I was okay. back in clogs for like three years four years and then I don't know my back now you got thing. the ortho you got the orthos in there no I'm just trying to figure out what to wear there you go spend less I, like, time I love standing sneakers but like you, most of the time they're so slippery I don't and, know maybe like yeah there's some slip resistant ones they make I don't know 
All right. Uh, what about we're, I don't know, the last one on fashion? The headband. Rocking the headband. You're clicking your tongs. You're working the wood-burning grill. You got a headband working. Swanier for the right guy. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, because you do have to be a certain – you have to yeah. pull, be able to pull it off. Some people yeah. can pull it off. Um, what about a vintage sauce spoon with a deep well? Love them. Collect yeah. them. I have many, many of them. Ooh. Grandmothers started, you know, French grandmother. Had those in the house. Oh. It's kind of the used, So used to go to France always, and I go to the flea markets. And every time I go to France, I bring them back, and all the cooks in the kitchen, I'd give them one when I come back, and our mm. little ones, the little ones, now they're available everywhere, but super soigné. Right. So are you, are you a big dehillerin guy when you're in Paris? Dehillerin. Right, dehillerin. I mean, that's yeah. where I bought everything, so... All my copper pots I still have at Malise came from Duleran back in the we started in ninety six. My father was French and he go he used to work back and forth, so I'd always place an order at Duleran and he'd bring him back for me by hand. This is before everything was really available sure. here. He'd bring him back by hand, the boxes. We never got caught. It's never got stopped, never paid a tax on them. Import tax. Amazing. He would bring him, he'd come back three times a year and I'd place an order. So little by little, I built this huge collection. Yeah. I'll throw up a link to this, to this shop that every chef knows about. And, uh, ask for Frank. Yeah. And, uh, I remember too, like the first time I went there as a young cook and then I did the same thing. Yeah. I bought a bunch of copper pots yeah. because it was a time where like, yeah, you couldn't just find them online. Find, yeah. And, uh, the Paris transit authority, whatever, like all the taxi cabs were on strike. Ugh. And I was so far away from wherever I was staying. And yeah. I had to walk like five miles as a super chubby boy carrying like a bunch of copper pots. Not, not, <laughs> that was my dad walking by. Okay. Not, not a good look. Um, Funny. Last, that, that's a great story. Bought all my first nights there when I moved to France in 1986. Yeah. What about the, the corner the bowl scrapers too, right? Bowl like, scrapers. Those are, the, those every, are great Everything there. They have everything there. Yeah. Everything's great. It's a, you got to go downstairs too. The, downstairs, everything. The Find pots. Out, like the copper the fish copper poacher. Fish poacher. Amazing. Amazing. We are connecting here. Chef, at the end of the podcast, we ask everyone... An 86 question. It's 86. One thing in the world, in the restaurant world, your life, whatever it is, that you want to 86 and get rid of. 86 and get rid of in my life. Yeah. I love how you 86 plastic bags from your sous vide. Like, like that's oh, such a, like, my wife of, is going to yeah, be so yeah. proud. And actually, right. or, or be, thought of, even. I thought, and actually, I've been speaking with Samick mm-hmm. in, about like how I work with them a little bit. So how we could, uh, they need to push the purveyors to get the biodegradable bags. We right. Some kind of biodegradable sous vide bag. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're, it's 86. Time. I like the 86 in my life out of everything is like this constant guilt mm. when I'm not in my kitchens. If I get 86, like this guilt and this, I have a, it's like a guilt. It's like a mixed feeling of guilt and missing out on something like i want to be guilty for not being there but i'm missing something so i never really in if i i just talking about my girlfriend about this like i need 86 is feeling because puts me in a lack of lack of enjoyment stages yeah no That's, first of all I mean, thank you for 86. being incredibly revealing too because like you should have been on that panel this morning because like that is a real thing right that's a real and thing especially and, and, and it comes from people like yourselves who have achieved so much and like you know are perfectionists and are known as being like the best in their game and then like you're right like there's a you don't want to have be uh, on your day off like this morning is, yeah. thinking you're missing something or thinking you should be somewhere no, else. Whatever the night, I don't want to. Even though we're, like I don't want to spend every night in my restaurant the rest fifteen right. years. Right. I and think I have great employees and I can, but it's this mental thing and it's like it drives me nuts. And I have a girlfriend now who's never in the restaurant business, so it's like I notice these un- things. Can't even understand it. I right? notice these things more now because it's like what's wrong <laughs> like, yeah it's just my mind but it's really nothing it's a so i'm making it up myself yeah 
It's it's an affliction we all have. Uh, now you're a surfer though. Yeah. And uh, do, uh, do you do yoga at all? Uh, I go I go to the gym. I cycle. Okay. I like to surf. I go on and off surfing. So depending. those things help. I find they help a lot. Well, like I've, I've oh, been doing a lot of cycling is, and running right now. Cycling and, and those things help so much. Because when you're out there, just like sort of paddling out, it's great. And, you just you know, lose your a mind. Beautiful day. Go on a surf trip. You know, do, you those know. are usually the moments. Or when you're hanging out with your family, yeah. or your girlfriend. That's when uh, you're not worried about like getting into the kitchen exactly. sometimes. Awesome. Well, Chef, thank you so much for hanging out with us, dude. Uh, I hope you love this episode. Do us a favor. Jump on over to iTunes and hit subscribe. Uh, it's, this is the only, Chef, this is the only five-star thing I've ever done <laughs> is the podcast. Yeah. So uh, keep it going, everyone. Drop us a, a subscription and a rating. And until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our sponsors who made today possible Dole Crafted Smoothie Blends. Find them in your frozen aisle, Home Depot. Visit homedepot.com slash decor and use promo code SFA, Home Depot at checkout. Miller Lite, Hold True, Upserve. Go to upserve.com slash starving for $300 off a new POS today. Just crack an egg? Listen, take back breakfast in TrueCar. Visit TrueCar for a better car buying experience. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.